A quick reminder, the hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. Hey, this is Mike Frost, and today on the podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into charitable remainder trust. We'll refer to those as CRTs. First of all, let's welcome to the podcast our CEO and founder, David Lee. David, how are you feeling today? I'm doing doing very well. Thankful to uh, to be healthy and, and doing well. Got over the COVID, and you're back to almost normal, is what your wife said. Okay. <laughs> Matt, our senior vice president, also gotten over COVID. How are you doing today, Matt? Great. Feeling great. All right. And Natalie, of course, our producer extraordinaire and marketing director. Natalie, how are you feeling today? Feeling great. It's my favorite day of the week. Favorite day of the week. And Natalie has not had the experience of COVID (laughs) yet, like the rest of us. Okay, folks. So today we're going to be talking about charitable remainder trust. What in the world is a charitable remainder trust? David, any clue what that is? Well, you know, at its core, the the name of it kind of tells you what it does. It's a it's a way for uh, for an a donor, an owner of an asset, to be able to put money into this thing called a charitable remainder trust that gives them out of which they can take income for a certain period of time, and at the end of their life, the remainder of the trust goes to a charity or charities of their choice. The biggest benefit of it is that you can get a tax deduction when you fund the charitable remainder trust and you can get a fairly tax efficient income stream during your lifetime. Okay, David. So that sounds really good. So why, who, why, or who, who would this benefit the most? Well, if you, yeah, good question, Mike. If you have a highly appreciated asset, this could be a, a good way to try to avoid the tax consequences on a highly appreciated asset. So for example, let's say you've got Walmart stock and you bought it at a dollar a share back in the seventies or whatever it, you know, it was first introduced at and now it's worth millions of dollars and you're charitably inclined. You could put all or a portion of that highly appreciated asset into this charitable remainder trust, not only not have to pay that, um, that, uh, capital gain tax when you sell the, the highly appreciated asset, but, not only would you avoid that tax, but you'd actually get a tax deduction when you put the money into the trust. Then as you, as we were talking about just a minute ago, you start to receive a predetermined amount of income out of that for your lifetime. And, and as long as a, as long as there, I think there has to be at least like 10% left over that goes to the charity. But if you're charitably minded and you're trying to minimize tax or avoid tax on a highly appreciated asset, this can be a great thing. Or another example might be a, a business owner, kind of the same kind of the same idea there. If you have a, a business that's done well, you're getting ready to sell it and you don't want to pay huge capital gains on it and you're charitably minded, you could sell the business, you, you would transfer the business ownership into the charitable remainder trust, then sell the business once it's in owned by the trust, thereby avoiding the capital gain tax, then start receiving income from the trust and then the remainder goes to charity. 
Well, as a matter of fact, last night, Matt was doing a presentation uh, seminar, and we actually had a business owner there, and there were, these questions came up. He feels like it's a very highly appreciated asset. He doesn't want to sell it and hit that capital gains tax where he has to pay it all at once. And he's looking for options of what he could do to protect those assets so he can live off of them the rest of his life. And this may or may not work out for him a charitable remainder trust. Okay, David, so let, let's go over this one more time. So I have a highly appreciated asset or I have a business. In other words, I have a, a large sum of money that if I do something with it right now, I'm going to pay a huge tax uh, implications, right. capital gains tax, something like that. So I can donate that asset to this trust. The trust can then either keep the asset or sell it. No tax implications to me. I actually get a tax deduction correct for the amount that will be donated to the charity at the end which in this case correct. has to be at least 10 percent of what i put in but then i also get to get an income off of that for the rest of my life is that right that is correct i mean that's a huge benefit right well, I, I believe matt i think if you didn't want to do it on your life you could actually put it on the life of your child a grandchild and they would get income is that right matt Yes, that's absolutely correct. That's fantastic. You know, there's also a provision, I believe, in there. And last year under the CARES Act, uh, if you died with an IRA, your most people that would inherit it would only have 10 years to take it out. Well, with a charitable remainder trust, you can actually donate that IRA to the trust and now designate a grandchild to take out X amount of dollars every year for more than the 10 years and still get a tax deduction. That's awesome. Yep. So Mike, if you say you sold a business or had a highly appreciated asset that you put into this trust for these all of these reasons that you and David mentioned, how can those funds be invested or what happens to those funds once they're inside the trust? Matt, that is an excellent question. That would be up to the trust. The trust then, and most often when people do these, they work with a charity, and the charity takes care of all this legal stuff. So let's say David here, he wants to put a million dollars into the trust, and he wants $100,000 a year off of it. Well, first of all, they're going to put a, an annuity. They're going to basically going to sell whatever the asset is, buy him annuity so he gets his income, but they're also going to make sure that that 10% is there. If not, David could lose all of his tax benefits. So that would be part of the trust to manage that. Now, I think where you're going, Matt, is you, the donor, lose all control over what that trust is doing with the assets. That's so correct. Does it does it have to fund an annuity in the no. trust? Okay. No. In fact, the 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 assets that are now inside the charitable remainder trust, or we'll talk about briefly about charitable lead trust here in a minute uh, as well. They can be invested basically almost however you want with certain restrictions because you do have to, you know, they need to be invested moderately conservatively, I would say, because you got to make sure that there's going to be at least that remainder left over for the charity at the donor's death. But other than that, you can pretty much invest, you know, however. So you would probably invest a portion in stocks, a portion in bonds, a portion in annuities, much like we do for a typical client. There's two types of these trusts. One that would pay out to the donor a 
fixed amount every year. We mentioned $100,000 a year. Or you could do it a different way and say, pay me a percentage of whatever's still in the trust. So if it grows, then you get a bigger paycheck. Or if it drops, then you get less. But the key is, absolute key, there has to be, has to be planned at least 10% left over at your death. And, and that really is the key to all of this is the math. Before you decide to do something like this, you need to meet with a financial advisor or a qualified attorney, and you have to do the math to see if it makes sense because there are some downsides. That's correct. And on that note, you know, speaking of meeting with a qualified attorney, you want to make sure that you work with an attorney that's done several of these before because, the, as you said, Mike, and it, the math is critically important on this and to make sure that all the legal documents are set up correctly is really very, very important to make sure it's done right because you don't get a second chance at this. One of the disadvantages of these type of trust is it's irrevocable, meaning once it's done, it's done. You can't go back and change it. You can't go back and alter the, the trust. So you got to make sure it's done right the first time. So it's important. Again, that's the reason why it's important to work with an attorney who has done several of these or even better that specializes in these. Well, Dave, you're right. So irrevocable is absolutely a requirement, meaning once you sign the paper, it's done. Uh, two years, five years, 20 years from now, you don't like that, you cannot undo it. So you got to make sure you know what you're doing when you do that. It's expensive. And I don't think, um, maybe you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike, but I don't think you can even change the charities that you're donating it to. I, I can't remember that part of it. It, it depends. Uh, if you have the tr the charity as the trustee, then no, you cannot change it because there's the one managing it. Yeah. Uh, but so it, it depends on the, the type of trust. But now, so irrevocable, you do it, it's done. They are expensive. There are ongoing fees on these each year because there's a lot of tax filing. One's called a K-1. We won't get into all that. But there's lots going on with this on an annual basis. So you got to take into account, is it worth it to pay all those ongoing fees? Uh, and again, we said, do the math, do the math. And then your costs could outweigh the benefits. So again, math is the most important. Matt, so what are the pros uh, for doing a charitable remainder trust? Yeah, some of the pros, like we mentioned, are avoiding you know, taxes on highly appreciated stock or another asset. Um, you know, the, another pro is just being able to help, uh, give money to, or, or support the charities that you want to down the road. So it's a, can be a tax efficient way to, um, like often, like we say with like qualified charitable distributions, right. It's kind of like a, it's a, all, everybody wins, right. The church actually, or charity gets a little bit more money cause you're giving them pre-tax money, um, and you get more of a tax benefit on the front end, kind of the same um, same deal going on here. All right. Well, thank you, Matt, for the pros. We, so we got the positives. Hey, if you got highly appreciated stock, you got a large sum of money, and you want to protect taxes, and you want to give efficiently and still get an income, this may be something you'd want to entertain. But you got to know, when you do it, it's done. You cannot undo it. It could be very expensive to maintain ongoing so you just have to out. You have to weigh those two two issues, and again, the math on this will lead you in the right direction. So we've talked about the pros and cons, but David, there's also another type of charitable trust. It's called a charitable lead trust. Share with us about what that's all about. That's, they're not quite as popular as charitable remainder trust, um, as you'll 
probably be able to figure out why as I get ready to tell you about it. Uh, that's why we didn't talk much about it on today's podcast. But Charitable Lead Trust works kind of like the name implies. Instead of a remainder trust where you uh, transfer the ass- the highly appreciated asset into the trust and then at death the remainder goes to charity, Charitable Lead Trust, you do the same thing. You put a highly appreciated asset into it. Typically, it doesn't have to be appreciated, but that's one of the benefits as we know, as we've talked about here. So you put a highly appreciated asset in, into that, you sell the asset, it, thereby avoiding the tax on that. It then pays like an endowment to charities for a period of years. Then at after a period of years, it then pays out to the beneficiaries, which is typically the donor or maybe the donor's children or grandchildren. So you can see why the charitable lead trust is usually more, or the charitable remainder trust is usually more popular because people typically want to, the donors typically want to get an economic benefit during their life and then a remainder uh, at death. Whereas the charitable lead trust is more an immediate benefit to the charity and a down the road benefit to children or grandchildren usually. So for our listeners, if you're thinking anything about these, please get advice. Come talk to us here at Mach 1. Uh, we have attorneys that will recommend to you that have done this multiple times that can take care of you. But again, it all boils down to does the math work out? And we have some very nice software to ha- help you do that. Okay, so uh, Natalie, uh, that's about it for today's podcast. How do people submit questions for the podcast? Yes, we would love to answer any and all questions. You can email podcast at mock-onefinancial.com or you can go to our website, mock1fg.com and click on the podcast tab and there's a form there as well. Thank you, Natalie. And upcoming on our next podcast, we're going to talk about a sister of the Charitable Ranger Trust or the Charitable Lead Trust. It's called Donor Advised Funds. Uh, a little bit of different reason to use those versus what we talked about today. So you want to tune in for that uh, next week. Natalie, thank you for producing the show and all behind the scenes work it takes to put this on and make us all look good on the podcast. Our thought of the day, when you die, you do not take what you have. You take what you gave. That's fairly appropriate for today's podcast. Well, that's it for today. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mock-1financial.com disclosures.